The following podcast has been paid for by Perched on the Top Rope. on the top rope i am your host former dirt sheet writer from the daily ddt the sportster the richest ringside news and sports kita ladies and gentlemen i am lee walker and we are coming off quite an exciting weekend of professional wrestling what i'm really talking about here is aew's full gear now the show did not disappoint it had a lot of takeaways but first let's start with zero hour as the ring of honor world title was on the line as eddie kingston the champion was going to defend against jay lethal kingston wanted this to be a one-on-one scenario however that was not the case we did have ring of honor executive stokely hathaway on commentary but lethal did come out with his friends you know, he did not come alone, despite Eddie Kingston's wishes. I'll be honest, this match really didn't do much for me. I think one of the most exciting parts of it was we got a triple strut from Jay Lethal, Jeff Jarrett, and Sanjay Dutt. I would say that was the most rememberable thing of this match. I'm going to be honest, Lethal never felt like a serious threat to win the title anyway. I would say it's a smart move to have Kingston face a former world champion to add another win to his resume. I don't know who Kingston's going to be facing at Final Battle. It kind of seems like they're teasing Ortiz here. Uh, I know there's history there, but even that does not feel like a headlining match on the biggest show of the year. The next match was Claudio Castagnoli taking on Buddy Matthews, who Buddy Matthews I have interviewed, by the way. You can find that at youtube.com at Perched on the Top Rope. This was a great match. This match, in my opinion, should have been on the pay-per-view it should have been on the pay-per-view but it wasn't these two can entertain and they had amazing chemistry amazing chemistry you know sometimes you just need a couple of big guys to hit each other really hard for a little while and that's what we got here it was entertaining and it was a hard-hitting match. Castagnoli won. I I wanted Matthews. I hope this means some sort of push for Matthews. But still a great match. Post-match, Castagnoli offered a handshake. 
but Matthew bailed and walked out of the ring. So I don't think the Blackpool Combat Club is going to be quite done with Malachi Black and the House of Black. The final match on Zero Hour was MJF and Samoa Joe taking on the guns. There was a really cool spot where MJF and Samoa Joe hit simultaneous uh, muscle busters. We would also get an appearance from Adam Cole, who would be a distraction enough for Samoa Joe to hit the coquina clutch on Colton Gunn to help MJF retain the ROH Tag Team Championships. Now, after the match, the Guns would attack MJF. They left MJF with a wrecked knee. MJF gets stretchered out. We see him in the back, and he's talking to Adam Cole, telling them, don't take my belt. Don't let them take my belt. And that would close out Zero Hour, and we would open up Full Gear, recapping MJF's injury. The card gets run down, and the opening match is Christian Cage, Luchasaurus, and Nick Wayne taking on Sting, Darby, Allen, and Adam Copeland. I will say this, it was really cool to see Adam Copeland paint his face, uh, However, it was a children's choir that was singing to Christian Cage's theme song to the ring, which felt kind of creepy in a way. Uh, Ric Flair was there with Sting and company. Edge had his, like I said, had his face painted. It was a nice touch. Alan cranks away on Wayne's arm to start the match. The set up a springboard high-angle arm drag. And Sting comes in and sends Wayne outside for a whip to the barricades. This match had a lot of action. Now, we knew that Copeland had said he didn't want to face Christian Cage, you know, friends for 40 years, so on and so forth. And we got to see them, we got to see them go at it. Now, it would be Sting, Darby Allen. And Copeland winning the match as it would be a spear from Adam Copeland and then a coffin drop from Darby Allen that would finish off Luchasaurus for them to get the victory. And I gotta say, I think this was a great choice for an opening match, for not only for us at home, but for the fans. It's always great to see what Sting does. Christian Cage is a phenomenal heel. And we're probably going to get Copeland versus Christian Cage at Revolution. Which I'm really, really hoping for. Because I want them to get through this aspect of the storyline. Because I want that Copeland-Christian Cage reunion again especially because the hardy boys are there that's for another time though 
The next match is the international championship match as the champion Orange Cassidy defended against John Moxley, and I had Moxley winning this match because I thought that they weren't done with Moxley being the champion, which is why we saw Ray Phoenix defeat Moxley, but that was because of injury, and then we saw Phoenix lose it to Orange Cassidy, which made sense to relive a feud between Cassidy and Moxley, and it would be, oddly enough, Orange Cassidy defeating John Moxley. I did not see this coming. I don't know if anyone saw this coming. If you did, good for you. I definitely saw Moxley winning this match. This was another great match, and my friend RN over at Smacked Raw had kind of spoiled this. He made a reference on their podcast show that, you know, Moxley hasn't bled in a while. Well, that streak ended against Orange Cassidy for the International Championship. Moxley bled. Moxley bled, but Moxley lost. Orange Cassidy retained. It was a good match, great fight, and the way they made it feel like, they made it feel, not like a David versus Goliath, but they definitely made it feel like uh, Orange Cassidy was up against a beast. That he had to slay the number one guy. And he did it. And he did it. Post-match, we had guys from the Blackpool Combat Club, like Wheeler Yuta, come in. Hook came in, and Yuta bumped into Hook. Hook, you know, stepped up. So, not only do I think that the best friends aren't done with the Blackpool Combat Club, but we also hear, ladies and gentlemen, the House of Black. So... The Blackpool Combat Club is just starting feuds with everybody. We learned that Mark Briscoe would be part of the Continental Classic, which apparently is going to be a new championship in AEW, to which later we would hear Eddie Kingston say that whoever wins the Continental Classic is also going to win the New Japan Strong Championship and will win the Ring of Honor Heavyweight Championship, making them a Triple Crown winner, holding three belts in three different companies. Good luck. Eddie Kingston's going to need it. He's putting the most on the line. The next match is AEW's Women's Championship, as the champion Hikira Shida taking on... Tony Storm. Now, Storm has this whole new uh, gimmick. She has Luther as like a butler-esque. She is definitely a 1950s Marilyn Monroe style coming out with these silent films and things like that. And it would be Storm who defeats Sheeta 
Now, what's interesting about this is Sheeta is the first three-time women's AEW champion. She's not the only one now because with Tony Storm winning this match, she is now tied. They ha- both have three AEW Women Championships apiece. The only difference here is Akira Shida can say that she did it first. Now, post-match, Mariah May comes out to give Storm some flowers. Luther takes Storm to the back. So, I would assume that Mariah May is going to try and align herself with Storm. That's the way it's looking, or she's setting herself up to get an AEW Women's Championship match opportunity. We'll have to wait and see, folks. But we go to the AEW Tag Team Championship as Ricky Starks and Big Bill are defending their titles against the Kings of the Black Throne, Malachi Black and Brody King. We also have FTR, Roosh, and Dralistico in this match. Fatal four ways, especially when it's a tag team, are just freaking incredible. It's a ladder match, so it's even better. You know, you think with Big Bill you have the advantage because he's seven foot tall. And, you know, Ricky Starks, you know, has the advantage there just a little bit because of Big Bill. But the Kings of the Black Throne have Brody King, who was also a big dude, 6'7", 6'8". These guys were doing some, some crazy moves. There was a couple spots where they tried to break a ladder on the outside of the ring. We see a pile driver, and then that doesn't work, so we see Wheeler go to the top rope and hit a splash onto Brody King, and the ladder still does not fully break. It was insane. There were high-flying moves of 450s onto ladders. FTR suplexed themselves to the outside of the ring onto everybody at one point. You know, this is one of those matches you've seen done a bunch, but it's still entertaining as hell. And this is the case again here. You had a bunch of high spots that set up a bunch of crashes. Was it the best ladder match? No. But they did stuff that hasn't been done before. And we get... Ricky Starks and Big Bill still getting to entertain us as your AEW Tag Team Champions. Now the TBS Championship was on the line as the champion Chris Statlander took on Julia Hart and Sky Blue. Now there was some drama between Julia Hart and Sky Blue with some black mist that Sky Blue got. And when Sky Blue came to the ring... She had on what would be very, very House of Black type of gear that she came down for her ring entrance in. 
it was rather interesting. Uh, this was a great triple threat match. I was not expecting Julia Hart and Sky Blue to kind of go at it. But we did see Blue and Hart shake hands, left hands anyway, before they fought each other. It would be Statlander hitting Saturday Night Fever to Blue, but Julia Hart would knock Statlander off of Sky Blue and steal the victory, which makes this a hashtag and new AWTBS champion Julia Hart. Again, it was quite the triple threat match. And, you know, the one person hits their finish and someone else steals a pin. We've seen it a lot, but this is an instance with Julia Hart that it was really, really cool to see because based on her character, I felt like that was the only way we were going to see that kind of a win in this triple threat match. Now, I did expect Sky Blue to be the one to take the pinfall here. However, I think I did pick Statlander to win the match. Now, after this match, Tony Schiavone's in the ring, and he brings in the new signing for AEW, and it is Will Ospreay. Will Ospreay comes out, says he's got to finish up with New Japan, then he'll be on the road to Revolution, where he'll be all ours. He's ready for the best in AEW, especially at Wembley Stadium. Uh, this wasn't really a shocking surprise, as fans alike felt that Will Ospreay was somebody that was talked about signing with AEW. He was just recently working with Impact, where I got to interview him, and I'm going to play that after the show today, so make sure you listen to that, folks. Now we get a recap of Hangman Adam Page versus Swerve Strickland in a Texas death match. They've been feuding for a few months now, and Swerve made it personal by breaking into Page's house. And now Page is out for blood and revenge. This match, hands down, folks, stole the night. It stole the show. It was it. It was a slugfest. Now, the only way to win was by submission or knockout. That was it. The only way to win. Page jumped Swerve during Swerve's entrance, hits a powerbomb into a buckshot lariat. And honestly, I don't even think the bell rang. They go to the outside where Paige is whipping Swerve into the barricade over and over. Uh, Paige grabs duct tape, ties his hands together for a staple to the bicep. A chair to the head on Swerve equals blood. Paige then staples a piece of paper to Swerve's face and lets Swerve's blood drip onto his face. He was letting it drip in his mouth. It was crazy. Then there was another barbed wire shot, chair shot to the head. 
Uh, that's cut off by a low blow and gives Swerve a breather. Swerve gets his hands untied and Paige staples him in the chest. To no effect. A hard shot to the face knocks Paige down and the barbed wire chair is wedged in the corner and Paige is sent into said chair and he's back up for a slug out. Now there was one point where Swerve takes the stapler and just starts stapling it into his own chest. Unfazed by it. You can see the staples. It was absolutely crazy in his chest. Uh, at one point, Hangman Adam Page was raking barbed wire over Swerve's face and then wrapped it around his chest in for another fallaway slam. Page also took uh, the barbed wire chair for a moonsault to knock Swerve down. Uh, bringing him back in, the buckshot lariat was blocked, and Swerve kicks the barbed wire chair into Page's face. Page is right back at it with a tombstone onto the barbed wire chair, but Nana breaks up the ten count. Swerve manages to hit a powerbomb onto the chair setting up the swerve stomp onto Paige onto the chair. Oh, God. Paige was up again, but this time there's a bag that comes out. I'm thinking it's thumbtacks. Nah, nah, it's glass. They pull out glass. Ugh. Absolutely insane. You have glass, barbed wire, barbed wire chairs, a barbed wire board. All sorts of things going on in this match. Both guys are bleeding. Absolutely crazy. Uh, we see another buckshot lariat. But this brings out Brian Cage. And Cage wrecks Adam Page. There's some barbed wire shots. Nana tries to come in. But gets dead-eyed through the table at ringside. Swerve is back up. Uh... He hits Adam Page with a cinder block to the back of the head and then chokes Adam Page out with a chain to win the match. <clears throat> All I've got to say is this. If you're going to go violent and deathmatch-esque, this was the way to do it, I thought. These guys beat the living daylights out of each other and it felt like they had went to war. It looked like they went to war. It was one of the best fights and matches I've seen in a while. I hope that this pushes Swerve because this match was that damn good. And honestly, Hangman Page should see a push out of this too. This was hands down match of the night to me. Now, the next match was Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega taking on the Young Bucks. To me, this was the match I was least interested in, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about it. Though it was a good match, it would be Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho winning the match 
uh, in the post match, the Bucks turned down the handshake from Jericho and Kenny Omega. And they throw a fit, you know, throwing chairs, breaking up the the commentary table. They threw a fit. They acted like children. There's no need to be crybaby piss pants here in AEW. Now this brings us to the main event, the AEW World Championship, as it's supposed to be MJF taking on Jay White. As I had spoken in Zero Hour, MJF had seemingly been injured by the guns after his match against them. Adam Cole had come out during a little thing that Shivani was doing to announce that Jay White was going to be the new AEW champion. This brought out Adam Cole, who, you know, said that he would do whatever it takes for MJF to keep his AEW world title. Tony Khan would make it official by saying Adam Cole versus Jay White for the AEW world title here at Full Gear. Well, we didn't get Adam Cole versus Jay White, even though he was going to defend the title on behalf of MJF. MJF had seemingly stole the ambulance to which he was riding in and made it back to the arena. He's seen walking back, hobbling back is probably the best way to put it. You know, they made him seem like he was very banged up from you know the attack, from the guns, and, and you know they they did it well. Uh, but the issue I have here is they're portraying as MJF, you know, leaving to the hospital. He's injured, this and that. I can't phantom having a storyline where someone's taken away by ambulance and you have them steal the ambulance, come back to have their match, barely walking out to the ring. Throughout the match we saw multiple times where MJF was seemingly just struggling to stand and walk, but would get these bursts of energy like we always see where all of a sudden they're running no problem. You know, and they're not limping which is the case here with injuries like this but a 30 minute match for something like that just seemed unbelievable to me and really took away from the match itself even though it was still a good match it was really weird having MJF fight as the underdog throughout the match and then have him cheat to even out a bunch of the cheating that White had already done throughout the match I mean the story went well uh, though they could have trimmed down the match, considering that this pay-per-view, including Zero Hour, went from 7 p.m. Eastern Time to midnight. That's right. It's five hours long. There's no reason why Full Gear is like WrestleMania Night 1 or 2. It was a little too much for me. It was a long show. Uh, th this match could have been shorter due to the injury that they were working with with the storyline there overall it was a good match good show and I'll be looking forward to 
AEW Dynamite and seeing what the aftermath of AEW Full Gear brings to the show. Now, a while back, there was storylines that Alexander Ham- Hammerstone had asked for his release from Major League Wrestling. If you're like me, you would have suspected he might have had the opportunity to go elsewhere. Well, in reality, MLW has done nothing more than run this as a storyline in the company as St. Laurent, who is part of MLW, has started his own little faction. And while they say Alexander Hammerstone was granted his release, he has joined St. Laurent's faction, which includes Matt Cardona, by the way. So he's in there, and Alexander Hammerstone returned to MLW with St. Laurent's faction. So, fans, if you're wondering if Hammerstone is going to go to NWA, WWE, AEW, no. He is still with Major League Wrestling, and they are just running it as a storyline. Hate to break it to yous. I know we say spoiler-free is the way to be, but not with this. We're, we're going to spoil this one. Sorry. But speaking of WWE, folks, on Monday Night Raw, we saw the return of Randy Orton. As we saw that Orton will be the fifth member of the War Games team with Cody Rhodes, Sami Zayn, Jay Uso, and Seth freaking Rollins taking on the Judgment Day of Damien Priest, Finn Balor, Dominic Mysterio, JD, and their fifth member who joined on Raw, Drew McIntyre. Now I will be doing my prediction show on Thursday, ladies and gentlemen, but the other matches for the WWE Survivor Series card this weekend also has the War Games match for the women. Charlotte Flair, Bianca Belair, Shotzi, and Becky Lynch taking on Damage Control's Asuka, Bailey, Io Sky, and Kari Zane. We also have Rhea Ripley defending her World Championship against Zoe Stark. And a very interesting storyline that has The Miz being the face in this one. For the Intercontinental Championship, The Miz taking on the champion Gunther. And as we saw the breakup of the LWO, Santos Escobar, who seemingly played his part in breaking it all up, will be taking on the returning Carlito, who this is his first pay-per-view match in WWE and if you want to know who his last match his last WWE pay-per-view was ladies and gentlemen I'm trying to drag this out so that I can find the photo because I still have it on my phone I'm pretty sure his last match 
is a WWE pay-per-view was at WWE Unforgiven against Triple H. That's um that was a long time ago. That was 07, folks. Now, in other news not related to WWE, two well, one former who had one match in WWE that is Buff Bagwell was arrested with a DUI for drugs and WWE Hall of Famer Hulk Hogan, his son Nick Hogan, was arrested for DUI as well. Now that's normally not how I want to end the show. I don't like ending on a bad note. So ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank each and every one of you who have been tuning in and listening to the show here, perched on the top rope. As I am very, very excited to say this, that I am still holding the number two spot in America on Chartable under wrestling. I am also ranked 71 in the sports category. I am in the top 100 in Great Britain. I am in Australia, Saudi Arabia, South Africa, the Philippines, Algeria for wrestling, and Algeria for sports for all of those who have put me on their chartables, I thank you. And for everyone who tunes in to these shows three times a week, thank you. Help me become number one. Get this episode out there and listen to all the other episodes of Perched on the Top Rope. You can do that by going to Apple, Google, Spotify, Podbead, Podbay, Red Circle. You name it, we're there when it comes to podcasting. It's Perched on the Top Rope. You can also find us on YouTube at YouTube.com slash perched on the top rope or at perched on the top rope we're also on facebook at facebook.com slash perched on the top rope you can find us on instagram and threads at perched on the top rope podcast we are on twitter it is well x now at perched top rope you can also find me at it's underscore just underscore walker on x go follow both you can also find us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash perched on the top rope, where I play AEW's Fight Forever Stadium Stampede, WWE 2K23, and more. I don't just play wrestling, folks. So go check those out. That's usually every Sunday. You can also find us on TikTok at perched on the top rope, where we have Selena scenes recreating the greatest moments in professional wrestling history using Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On because that song makes everything better. And if that doesn't tickle your fancy, then you can just go watch Kevin Sullivan get humped by a dog. Yeah, you heard me right. Kevin Sullivan, the Taskmaster, getting humped by a dog. It's on our TikTok, perched on the top rope. Ladies and gentlemen, remember, spoiler freeze, the way to be. I'm out. Congratulations for staying, folks, for the bonus content of the interview with Will Ospreay. So here it is. Enjoy. The following announcement has been paid for by Perched on the Top Rope. 
Hi, everyone, and welcome to Impact Wrestling's Press Pass ahead of our 19th annual Bound for Glory pay-per-view live sold out this Saturday night in Chicago at Cicero Stadium. The only way to see it now is on pay-per-view, Fight TV, and on Impact's YouTube channel. This is a huge weekend for all of us, and as a result, this is the largest edition of Press Pass we have ever done because of our guest. On Saturday at Bound for Glory, he will be facing Speedball Mike Bailey, presented by the new movie Impuritus, The Devil Will Confess, streaming now on demand. On Sunday at Bound for Glory Fallout, he will be competing in a, against Josh Alexander in a first-time-ever singles matchup. And if Josh Alexander wins the Impact World Championship the night prior at Bound for Glory, it will be for the Impact World title. And then fast forward to October 27th as a part of Impact's UK Invasion Tour, he will have another first-time-ever matchup going full circle with Eddie Edwards, those two will go one-on-one -on -one once upon a time. Will Ospreay battle the Wolves in tag team action in an Impact Wrestling ring back in 2016. But with further ado, please welcome my guest at this time, the aerial assassin, the Billy Goat, Will Ospreay. Oh, hey, what are you saying, bruv? You right? I'm wonderful, bruv. Nice to see you. <laughs> uh, just a reminder to all the members of the press, Please limit your questions to one apiece. As I mentioned, this is a very, very full session, both fans and members of the media from literally all over the world. Uh, you can raise your hands electronically for any questions that you may have, and we'll get to you as soon as we can. But, Will, before we get to a member of the press, how are you feeling? This is a, a big weekend, big week all together for you, but you're no stranger to that. Uh, I'm always a no stranger to it. I've, uh, I've had four days out in Greece with the missus, had a wonderful time. I've got a wonderful spray tan on as well. Uh, we did get an all right tan, but not good enough. But I've got my spray tan on. I'm feeling loose. I'm feeling like my hips are all working. So I'm looking forward to getting in the room with Bailey, Alexander, and Eddie. Yeah, you got a you got a nice, uh, I wouldn't call it a warm-up, but you got your opportunity last weekend against Zack Sabre Jr. That was a hell of a matchup as part of uh, New Japan's Royal Quest 3. Uh, but let's get to the media. It's your world. We're just living it. <laughs> so next is uh, Lee from Perched on the Top Rope. Lee? How you guys doing today? Great. Oh, look at the setup you've got. Got the turnbuckle. <laughs> Thank you. Pad. Thank, you. Nice. Thank you. Um, so I've actually looked up. You are three and one versus Mike Bailey, who you face October 21st, and you've faced Eddie Edwards, but not one-on-one. -on -one, and you've never faced Josh Alexander. You earlier brought up how you want to be the best in the world and that you really want to be a world champion and that it, it doesn't really matter anywhere. Uh, throughout your career, at the stage you're at right now, if you could go back to your professional wrestling debut, what advice would you tell yourself knowing how far you've come today? Uh, get off social media. I mean, it's not, it's not healthy for you at all. You don't need it. Just Rely on, the, rely on the clips and the wrestling uh, to, to get you there. But no, just not to take things too seriously. I think I think back then I was a very immature child. Like I, I keep saying it now, I think I've only matured in the last three years and it took a global pandemic to do it. So do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, my old thing now is just like, I'm just grateful for this journey. And I think everyone, when they start, gets super worried about uh, everything now because everything's on the internet. You can't, when when I started wrestling, like it wasn't 
on the internet straight away. Like, do you know what I mean? We, we'd have to like download our matches from our phone and then it would take like a week to upload to YouTube. But now it's almost instantly, everything that you do, you could ruin any type of uh, match that you ever had and it's automatically downgraded. So like I do, uh, I do try and tell people just like to not uh, live that hard through something. Uh, be allowed to fail. Be allowed to fall down because like the, the beauty of falling down is you get to marvel at where you was and how far you can come from there. Love that. Hey everyone, thanks for watching that video. If you liked what you saw, make sure you hit the like button and make sure you hit subscribe so you can get all our content here at Perched on the Top Row. And fans, remember, spoiler freeze, the way to be. I'm out.